Well, it seems to me that on every Christmas Eve, a good father should have a good story. So I want to tell you a story. It begins, Once Upon a Time. Once upon a time, there was a man who looked upon Christmas as a lot of humbug. He wasn't a Scrooge. He was a kind and decent man, generous to his family, upright in all his dealings with other men. But he didn't believe all that stuff about incarnation, which churches proclaim at Christmas. And he was too honest to pretend that he did. I am truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, who was a very faithful churchgoer. But I simply cannot understand this claim that God becomes man. It doesn't make any sense to me. On Christmas Eve, his wife and children went to church for the late Mass. She was on the altar guild. She was in the choir. The boys were altar servers. Everybody was involved, so they had to get there very early. But he declined to accompany them. He said to his wife, I feel like a hypocrite. I'd rather stay home, but I will wait up for you. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window and watched as the flurries became heavier and heavier. If we must have Christmas, he thought, it's nice to have a white one. He went back to his chair by the fireside and began to read his newspaper. Parenthetically for those young people in the room today, ask your grandparents what a newspaper is. I'm just saying. They used to be very popular. And they still are popular with people who own bird cages, I'm told. A few minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. It was quickly followed by another thud and another thud. He thought that someone must be throwing snowballs at his living room window. When he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow and in the storm. They had been caught in the storm and in desperate search for shelter. Well, they got a bit confused and tried to fly through his window. I can't let these poor creatures lie there and freeze, he thought. But how can I help them? Then he remembered the barn where the children's pony was stabled. It would provide warm shelter. So he put on his coat, pulled out his boots, and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the door wide and turned on the light. But the birds didn't come in. Food will lure them in, he thought. So he hurried back to the house for breadcrumbs, which he sprinkled on the snow to make a trail to the barn. To his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried shooing them into the barn, 
by walking around and waving his arms. Well, they scattered in every direction, except the direction into the warm, lighted barn. They find me, he thought, a terrifying creature. And I can't seem to think of any way to let them know that they can trust me. If only I could be a bird myself for just a few minutes, perhaps I would, could lead them to safety. Just at that moment, the church bells began to ring. He stood silently for a while, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. Then he sank to his knees in the snow. Now I do understand, he whispered. Now I see why you had to do it. Well, I owe that story to Louis Cassell's. It is entitled, A Christmas Parable. He was one of the religion editors of the United Press International. And it is simple, but beautiful in the way it explains the mystery of Christmas. Think of the many ways God has reached out to us as human beings to communicate with us as the human race. The climax of God's communicating with us in the Old Testament was when God formed a covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai. God joined himself to us in a covenant and we were joined to God in a covenant. But humanity still sinned. So God raised up prophets to call us back, but only a small number of people paid heed to the prophets. Through one of the prophets, a man by the name of Hosea, God said that Israel had been like an unfaithful spouse, committing adultery by chasing after false gods. All through the centuries of the Old Testament, God pursued us like a lover. But we had broken the covenant, and God had to make a new, unbreakable covenant with us. For this new covenant, God became flesh and bones, like us, and shed his blood in the person of Jesus to convince us once and for all to accept his invitation to be his people. Jesus was the climax of God's reaching out to us. As we hear in St. John's Gospel, the Word was made flesh, and he lived among us, and we saw his glory. Now I see why you had to do it, wrote Louis Casals in that Christmas parable. And indeed, God had to do it, had to become one of us to make us understand because despite God's best efforts throughout all the Old Testament, we still didn't get the message. Sometimes you have to, as we say, 
rub their noses in it to make them understand Christmas is, in a sense, God rubbing our noses in it to make us fully understand. Christmas is God saying, maybe this will grab your attention. In the letter to the Hebrews, it is expressed this way. At various moments in the past, and by many means, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. But in our time, the final days, he has spoken to us in the person of his son. God has spoken to us. The word has become flesh. May God's word sink into our hearts. Now here comes that word. Choir's always listening for it. It gives them a sense that they can live through it. Finally, I will conclude with the prayer that St. Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Ephesus. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give to you a spirit of wisdom and perception of what is revealed to bring you to full knowledge of him. May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see what hope his call holds for you, what rich glories he has promised to the saints who will inherit. And my friends, you all, each and every one of you, you are those saints. Amen.